Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Well, sometimes my mind. Welcome to episode 101 of Each Sleep, Run, Repeat, the running podcast for the average runner. We've got three of us live in session at the moment. Myself, Woolly, Steve Sparling. Morning. And uh, today's special guest, you probably heard him talked about on the show, if you're a long-time listener, Chris Curtis. Morning, guys. Thanks for having us on. Great to have you on. Wanted to get Chris on for a while because he uh, his kind of story like represents everything that I reckon the podcast is all about. Like we, uh, when we set out to do the podcast, we sort of wanted to tell cool, inspiring stories. And, um, Chris's story is definitely something that everyone can take a lot out of. But before we get into your story, Chris, a couple of, um, bits of news really has been another world record on the road smashed again. Mm. This is uh, Jacob Kiplimo has run 26.48, the 10K. It's two minutes 40 a K pace. Yeah, it's motoring. It's yep. incredible. Eh? Like how much quicker can humans run Yeah, than that? The defies belief, right? Just that maintaining that pace for that distance is just incredible. Like that's like my hundred meter sprint. Mm. That's a that's a fast five k pace, you know. Like to do that double and still be able to hold that pace, it's incredible. Yeah, but um, two forty a kilometer, motoring. It's just um crazy. Yeah, you get lactic build up running that fast. Like, how do they dodge that? Because I know over five k, it's a shorter version of that, but for ten k, that's still quicker again, really. Yeah, like it's it just like blows you away, hey? Like how how they can just maintain that pace mm. for so long. It's just it just seems like it's not humanly possible, but they do it. Mm. Maybe it's their uh, training and all that. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, something else. Be curious to know how long uh, that that record can be held for before before someone breaks it. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's insane. But also just another thing that I, um, I did see on social media and I, I wanted to get like your guys opinion on it and also any of the listeners, like shoot us a PM if you've got any kind of, um, ideas how they can overcome this. But basically, uh, there's a English runner, actually she might even be Scottish, but she, I'd say she's trying to make the UK team, um, for the, uh, 10k road world champs her name's jess rudd she ran um on the weekend at the valencia 10k she ran 30 minutes 38 which was like a chip time or a mat time which is a uh oh so it must be for the olympic um track 10k sorry yeah so olympic qualifying standard the olympic qualifying standard is 30 minutes 40 seconds so she qualifies with her like chip time, but her gun time was 30-41 because she was like three or four rows back at the start. Yeah. Even though she's run the race fast enough, she doesn't qualify from like, you know, just missing it. 
because it, they, they run the qualifying times off of uh, gun time. It was a mixed race. So like the majority of the front was like taken up by men. And, and um, this is on the track star Instagram page. And it says like, what's the solution for races like this to make it fair and equal for all athletes chasing times? Like, what do you guys reckon? Uh-huh. It's a, it's a numbers thing. Like, um, when you got that many people at a start line and it's, and say if that Jess might've started four back, maybe, maybe three or four back, you got to still got to allow people when they take off, so you don't clip shoes. So you sort of already lost that four seconds right off the line. Really? Um, yeah. I think it's happened a few times. I know Nathan's talked about it before on earlier podcast with trail events, um, because because of the stacked, and they're in a shoot at a funnel at the start, and it's not a very wide start. You sort of could get pushed back, you know, twenty or thirty meters. It's almost like the bridge to Brisbane when you take off. You can see everyone take off, and you don't even move um, for ages, and then you sort of break into a walk and get going. I think in that sort of instance, um, I think definitely a net time, but for an Olympic qualifier, they, they must have to they'd have to like widen the start stance. So it'll maybe widen the start really wide. So everyone's got their foot on the line, you know, like a, I guess like an 800 meter race or a 1500 meter race where you all start on the staggered line that goes across the, the track. Everyone is starting off on the same line. Does that make sense? So maybe they need to do that because the elites is broken down to a smaller group. It's not like the majority. So maybe, maybe that, that would eliminate that sort of problem. Yeah, definitely wider start and, but yeah, my opinion is yeah, it should be off the mat time though, off the net time. But yeah, it's it is hard because it's hard. Yeah, you've got um, so many different groups, and it's hard to start everyone get moving at the same time. Like we just spoke about with um, Speed Week at Sandgate, you've got about nine hundred people there, and when the when the timer starts, you don't feel like you move for about ten seconds. Or maybe maybe even longer. So yeah, and then you break really, into a sort of walk, and then sort of a rolling start more than a takeoff, like the, the people up the front. Yeah, yeah. So that, at, at sort of a level though, at, at her level, it's still a it's still a walking start, really, isn't it? Because no one's taking off at the same time if you're four deep in a in a race. Yeah. So. I agree, Chris. I reckon they should just take it off a chip time, and that's you know. Yeah. You know stacked field where there's lots of people you've got no choice but to do that unless you're like going to be aggressively barging your way up the front you're always going to be a couple of seconds off that's right what is it what's the standard for olympic everywhere else is that just in europe or is it across the the world man i don't i don't really know i just saw this pop up on instagram and i thought it was interesting because you know she's so close and she's Mm. missed it by one second yeah. And uh just thought it was a good talking point, but I don't yeah, like you think being on the if it was on it must have been a road race, because if it was on the track it would just go off the gun, wouldn't it? You're not you don't have a chip time. So Yeah. Maybe there's um something I'm missing there. Maybe there's an Olympic road ten tra- uh, K race. I don't know. It's um or that they're accepting times off the road, but I doubt it. Yeah, if anyone knows, um Shoot us a PM. It's a uh, in that in that instance, Steve. Is it a population thing? Is the, is the European racing got a lot more numbers than Australian? Well, definitely in the higher like quality of runners, they do. 
So like, you know, you think um, a lot of those marathons, the elite times are a lot, a lot faster. Yeah. So you got a lot more people closer anyway. So maybe yeah. that's the problem. They're, just, they're trying to narrow it down to Olympic qualifiers anyway. So maybe they've got a huge field. Maybe the field's too big to start with. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. I know for the marathon, like for, for the girls to do the uh, like Olympic qualifying time is much better in the mixed races because there's so many like club runners that can run around 220 for the yep. marathon that they can, you know, they nine times out of 10, there's someone in their running club that can do that. So they can sort of jump in with them and yeah, pretty good. But then if you're sort of getting down towards like 210, then there's probably no one that can do it. Only the... Uh, the old elite guy. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely interesting because no way I'm taking my gun time off of any of the like big events. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. You end up losing minutes. Man, sure. I've had, um, I had on, so Monday uh, we recorded the podcast with um Dave and then I didn't run that night because it was just late and the kids were harassing me and, I was like, oh, cause I wanted to run a hundred K last week. So then I was like mapping my week out on a bit of paper and I was like, I'll do like 15 K tomorrow. And then I'll do this and this. And then with the long run on Sunday, I'll hit a hundred. And then, so Tuesday I got home from work and I was like, I was feeling a bit like, like a bit, <clears throat> you know, like in the throat sort of like chest. A tick, like a tick on the throat sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. think anything of it. I was like, strapped my shoes on, went and I run 16 K pretty low heart rate for how quick I went, didn't wear super shoes or anything. So I was pretty happy with it. Woke up the next morning. I was like, oh, geez, I'm definitely feel like I'm crook. And I was going to go to work and I was like, oh man, I should just stay home. And, um, so I didn't go to work anyway. The next day I was even, I was definitely by sort of like midday. I realized, oh man, I'm definitely, I'm definitely crook. Cause the sort of early part of the morning I was thinking, man, I'm a bit achy, but it's probably from the 16 K without super shoes on. And, um, I was like, oh, it's probably just that I'm just a bit sore from uh, yesterday's run. But then the next day I was like, oh man, definitely sick. And then I started coming good pretty much straight away. But then I think it was Saturday. We had a, I found an old COVID test in the cupboard, tested mm -hmm. it. And I was like positive, <laughs> very faint sort of like line. I was like, oh shit. Any sweats or anything? Everyone I know that had COVID sort of said they had night sweats when they're sleeping. No, nah, I mean we had the aircon on, so oh, I guess wouldn't so. really know. But the only thing that I would say was like different to just a normal cold or flu was that I was having trouble sleeping, which is strange for me. Like I usually hit the sack and I'm out like a log, mm. but I was up like a couple of times during the night during the week. I've watched a few movies. In the middle of the night, I just couldn't sleep. Yeah, and you'd think if you had COVID, like you'd just be drained and that's all you'd want to do is, is sleep. But, yeah, I know, but it just like some something just kept me awake. It was just yeah. really, really weird. Like you feel sort of tired and sleepy, but just can't go to sleep. How many times have you had it sleep? That's the second time. And it was definitely way more mild than the first time. Like after a day or two, I was like, I should go back to work and then... Like, I'm glad I didn't now because I would have just been spreading it, but I didn't go back to work, but I should have. And, um, well, I felt like I could have, sorry, I shouldn't have gone back, but so then I did a jog on, uh, I think Sunday, was it 
Sunday, I might have done a small jog in the morning. Yeah. And then um, 5K yesterday, did it, and then did six today or something like that. And I feel like I'm definitely not going to push it this week. I'll just keep jogging. But then next week, I'm, I'll get stuck back in. Sound worse than I am. I'm just very, like, locked up. Yeah. Your voice is a bit husky. Mm. Makes sense compared to your usual sound. Yeah, it's like my nose, like sinus is all sort of blocked up or weird. Yeah. But yeah, what about you, Steve? Have you done much um, training? I, a, I did a double day on Tuesday. I had a run in the morning. Um, and then I joined Sam's Hyams Tidy As session down at the Petrie Mill. It was 30 by uh 50 meters on and then 50 meters jog back to start and we just kept doing a rotation around witch's hat so 30 at a 30 uh what do you call it 50 meters hard and it was about 350 pace or better and then jog back so 30 of them it, it sort of gets a bit monotonous and sam was there he was jogging along everyone and pushing them through the set so it was pretty cool to watch him jump on there's probably about eight of us there i was chris was there as well yeah it's a great session that one it was a good session. So he sort of jumped on and gave everyone a push here and there on the laps. And you just kind of think 30 by 50 meters isn't very far, but in the end, it's a, it's a long way. <laughs> it yeah. ends up being 3K of like, you know, 50 meter and 50 meter jogs. So it's um kind of pretty cool. Yeah, we did about 5K all up, I think. We did a yeah. 1K warm up and a 1K cool down as well. So, yeah. I find them short little sessions, uh, they're always like deceiving. It's like mm. when you look at the Mona Fartlek on paper, you look at it and you go, ah, oh, this would be all right. And then you start doing it and you're like, oh man, this is way harder than it looked. They're not more than yeah. I thought it was going to be. Well, I didn't have it in my watch. I think Sam sends it through on Garmin um, coach thing and it goes to your phone and then you sync it to your watch the same as if you wrote, if you sort of typed in your own little workout. I think a lot of them do that now. I think Paul does that with you as well, doesn't he? When he sends yeah, sometimes through, on um, goes through. Yeah, what's it and called? You just sync it to your watch from your from your phone. But um, in my head, I sort of did the first one. I'm jogging back, going, "Oh, there's 50 meters." So the first rep be 100. I'm going, "Oh shit, 30 of them. That's 3k." So I just went off my split time and kept going around until we all sort of finished roughly around the same time. Um, you don't you don't sort of really lap anyone? Does that make sense? Because you're doing such short little circuit. You might pass someone once and that's all you do unless you're running double their speed to get them again. But it's, it's pretty cool because you're sort of just following everyone else. Um, but Sam, he done another session this week. Last night they did it was um, plyometrics and intervals. So they did like different length intervals and then plyometrics in between them. So he's trying all different things and it's pretty good to see. Eh? Had a little bit of a little look, at, look at the session on what he wrote down on the internet. You have to sort of, he sort of hides it behind his little thing. But if you've, pause it and take a screenshot you can have a bit of a read what's going on i sort of understand what's happening so i think in the end the eventually trying to get everyone to a bit fitter and stronger and to be able to hold pace um it's pretty cool to see it all happening and he's getting like eight or nine people per session i think he said he had eight there last night so um yeah yeah it's definitely growing um the numbers and i think i've been to i think five sessions now and it's yeah. been it's been something different every time, like a different sort of different session. Like we've done hill sprints and then we've done four hundred meter efforts, and I think I'm getting a lot of benefit out of it. Um, probably need to keep it consistent, just to 
just to see the benefits of it, but I think it's helping. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, on Wednesday, I did a day with my daughter because Kylie went back to work. So after that double run day, I think it was about 24 and a bit Ks on Tuesday. My Wednesday off running was actually a hike. So <laughs> a day of no running, but actually a hike with Emma. We went up um, Mount Gungan up the Glasshouse Mountains there. It's probably one. Of, I think it's the sixth highest. Uh, sorry. the So not the highest, but the sixth highest. Does that make sense? So it's the sixth. It's the shortest, basically. Um, there's Mount Beerbarum at Beerbarum State School when you first turn off and it's just a bit of a hike but I looked it up and it said it's not that great for old people and in wet conditions because it can be slippery because it's a bit steeper and it's concrete path but um, I looked up Nagungan and there's a little video and it just looks like sort of man-made steps as well as where they put rocks and sandstone steps in so you can basically just hike it up there and I thought that's pretty cool like Emma would be able to do that and and that and when you get towards the top, they got like um, the abseiling rope pegged into the ground with these big pickets at about sort of half meter height. So if you just you can sort of lean on them, and I just tested out. I said, look, I can't pull it out, and I was just like leaning on it. And I said, you just use that as your as your ladder sort of thing, and hold on and pull yourself up. And she made it to the top. I think all up up and down was around 44, 45 minutes, and we sat up there for forty minutes and had a little something to eat and drink and took photos of all the landscape around wasn't it wasn't too bright but we could still see right out to the ocean you know what i mean it wasn't a sunny day it was overcast but it wasn't um hazy or anything i imagine if you go up there and there's fires and stuff you sort of can't see anything and if it's overcast or rainy and then on the way down it started raining so i just sort of she just put a hand out and i held a hand on the way down because the rocks don't obviously wanted to go over on her on her ass or anything so she didn't slip or anything she just held my hand when she wasn't confident and made it down easy and we went to the bakery in town after that and had something to eat and drink and she was stoked eh? she goes best day ever so that makes my day when i mean and then get home and say oh, tell mum what we did today because kylie had no idea as a surprise so yeah she's obviously following me on my phone like stalking me on find my friends see when she's going bloody yeah use up the glass house mountains and i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> so i sent her a picture when we're up the top so that's it. that's all she got of it she had no idea which one we're up or anything um but yeah the rest of the week has um, done a bit of riding and some running. Ended up being about, I think it was like 74Ks. So a little bit, a rest day sort of takes that extra. I didn't do the long run on Sunday. I went for a ride in the morning um, and did 6K. So a rest day plus that, I still would have been pretty pretty well up there if I did a, another long run. But yeah, I'm pretty happy with that, 70K. It's a good week. I did like three, three good rides. I did another ride today, actually. So I'm enjoying it. Just go out and smash the pathways. I'm not really much of a road rider, but I don't mind places I've run before on long runs. I just go and smash it on the bike. It's pretty cool. What sort of bike you got? Uh, it's just a mountain bike, just a hardtail one with front suspension. Cool. Um, I got a Julie one if I go. I used to ride in the Jinka track and stuff like that, like a dual suspension one, but it's a little bit heavier. So just for general riding, this one's a little bit lighter and a bit more fun, I guess. You can just sort of throw it around a bit more. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Chris? What's your training look like this week? Uh, well, I'm heavily invested in the in the tennis again at the moment because the fixtures has just started up again last night. But So I've been trying to get a bit of practice in the last week just to, to get ready for that. Um, but I've been enjoying the shorter stuff a bit at the moment um, mm. ever since the long run running season ended, oh, you know, September, October last year. Um 
the last week or so, I've done a couple of 14K runs. Just uh, We did that one, um, Steve, um, at Boomba Wetlands. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I did 14, about 14 at bright and early last Sunday. Um, yeah. But yeah, enjoying the shorter stuff and just I need to start getting back into the, the half marathoning because, you know, Noose is only about four months away. So I'm sort of looking to that next. Um, so I actually uh, signed up for one of those Garmin training plans for the half marathon. So I only did that two days ago. So I'm just looking forward to seeing what's involved in that. And I'll try and stick to that as much as possible. Yeah. My my wife did that. She signed up to the one of them Garmin training programs for, uh, I think it was like just basically a five k, um, program, and it was really good. Mm. Like every week, it gave her the, what sessions you got to do, what easy runs you got to do, and she made massive gains just by following it. Like she ran a PB in the worst, you know, the like, day. Yeah, like I reckon in winter, if she does another one of them again, yeah, go even go quicker for probably a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 awesome. There's um there's plans in there for five, ten, and um, the half marathon um, mm. built into the Garmin Connect app. And I think with the with the half marathon one, there's three different coaches you can choose, and uh, there's a couple of uh, males and a female coach. Um, and I think the one you choose also depends on the amount of um, sessions you want to do each week. Like the one I chose is um, a plan is based on three three a week. And the reason I chose that one is because um, I've had to try and juggle tennis as well because yeah. I play Monday nights with that. And then also have to get a couple of other tennis sessions in during the week to just help with the practice. So I wanted something that I could try and balance both. Yeah. So with those three sessions for a half marathon, is it time dependent or is it pace dependent or is it just your own time frame that you can sort of allow? So is it going like a finishing time that you're trying to aim for or how does it work? Yeah. So when you're sewing up, you actually do choose a goal, um, a goal time that yep. you want to work towards. And you can actually um, pick an event from the calendar, from the Garmin app, because a lot of those those events are built in. So I chose the, the Noosa half and it, it asked me what, what goal time I wanted to get. And I put in there um, one hour 45 because yep. um, last year I ran at one hour 47.20 and I thought I'd try and get sub one hour 45 for, for, for this one. That was already a massive PB, 147. Yeah, it was huge. It was it was only my second half, but I knocked about nine minutes off from, the, from my first one. So I was yeah. pretty, pretty stoked about that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he was only, only aiming for like something close to an hour 50 and then he comes away with one hour 47 or something. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So the next the next big goal is to try and yeah, get that sub one hour 45. I'd be pretty stoked with that if I can do that at Noosa because it's a, it's a great track. Yeah. yeah. Noosa's a good course, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Just nice and flat. A couple of bridges that sort of you go up and over, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Yeah, lap course. You can set up your own drinks table. If you've got anyone up there supporting you, they can hold your drinks. And yeah, yeah. shame it's not like a little bit later after after Goldie or something. I reckon that'd be pretty good. Yeah, We're still going to run it. 
I don't know what yet. Don't know what event. Yeah, because the uh, the Jenny the Jenny's is about two weeks after the goalie, so yeah, maybe it could be, maybe it could be a little bit after the Jenny the Jenny, but they always seem to have it um, in that third or fourth week of May, the Noosa half or the Noosa event. So yeah, hey, so you mentioned that you play a bit of tennis as well, but like I said at the start, like when we worked out that we were going to do this running podcast, cause we were always um, talking shit to each other in the chat. I always thought, man, it'd be so cool to tell, like, cause we, we know, cause we're sort of heavily, heavily involved in the running community and we just see how many like positive um, things happen in, you know, you meet so many people that have like changed their lives or, you know, running has kind of like saved them in some sort of way. And, and uh, got them fit, got them healthy, got them off the booze, off the cigarettes or whatever. Like, man, your story is just like a perfect example of that. Like, when did you decide to start running and and how did it all start? Uh, with the running. Um, so basically, if I go back to my childhood, all I can remember about running is just those little athletics carnivals we, you know, you'd, you'd race and if you come in the top three, you'd get those coloured ribbons and, you know, I have, I have memories of that, but that's as far as it goes for me. Um, as a kid, I kind of never took it any further. Um, but with the running, it, it all started with parkrun, really. I, I didn't know what parkrun was until I started it back in 2019. Um, and I was well into my weight loss journey then. Um, but I was heavily invested in the tennis because I was doing that at least five times a week, but sometimes every day of the week I was playing. Um, so I wasn't doing any running whatsoever. Was, you know, during the, during the weight loss transformation, um, it was just strictly tennis. Um, and then, yeah, one day um, my sister had mentioned um, that they discovered parkrun and her and her partner had already done two or three of them at North Lakes and she just told me about it and said, oh, you should come along. And I think uh, it would have been October 2019 that I did my first park run. So um, when I got to my goal weight, that was uh, February 2020. So I was already lost a fair bit of weight then. I was probably around 130-something kilos when I started doing park run. Um, but yeah, I, I showed up to North Lakes one week and I just got hooked. That like, the rest is history really. I just kept showing up every week and um, met a lot of nice people like um, you guys included. And, um, you know, I think Steve just come, come over and talk to me one day. And, um, we all just, we just became mates from there really. Um, you gotta be nice to the biggest guy in the room. You just yeah. got to go over and say hello and hope that they're not, they're not angry at you or something. Yeah, well, that's what I've noticed about you. You always, you always, you know, like to go around and have a chat to new people. And it was nice to come up one day and just, just start talking. I think we got to know each other from that. And I met, you know, met a few other people um, as well. But, um, yeah, I, I got really got hooked on the park run and I was just really just turning up to that every week. Um, I wasn't doing any, any stuff during the week. Um, I was just sticking to the tennis as well. Um, but then I sort of um, just started to get into the the other events and tried to set myself 
some new running goals. Um, in particular, after I lost that last last chunk of weight and I got to my final goal weight, I started looking looking forward to like what can I do next aside from park run. Um, and then I sort of went on to look at longer distances and things like that. So, mate, you're saying that you got to your goal weight or you were at 130 kilos when you started parkrun. Like, for people listening and probably going, wow, 130 kilos, but, like, you're a massive human. Like, you're how tall are you? Like, I'm six foot six, so I'm just, just an inch taller than, than Steve, so... Um, but yeah, as you guys know, um, I got, yeah, I was quite a big guy when I first started my, uh, my weight loss journey or life, lifestyle transformation, I also like to call it. Um, at my heaviest, I was 214.8 kilos. Um, so I let, let myself get into a pretty bad way. Um, but yeah, luckily I, you know. Like, talk us so, through that. What what was the moment that you decided now enough's enough? I want to make some changes. Yeah, so a lot of you know a lot of situations like that. It, it sometimes takes like a health scare or or something like that to sort of kick you into gear. But it wasn't really like that for me. I, I knew that I needed to do something about it um, in the back of my mind, but I was just finding it really hard to commit. Um, you know, I try. Try go walking or stop eating the bad the bad junk food for for a day or two, but I just get back into it again. I just couldn't couldn't commit to anything. But yeah, with getting up to two hundred and fourteen point eight kilos, it's it's um you know it's pretty embarrassing because you know you start to well even going up a, a you know a small driveway, you're, you're out of breath and um, you know other things like having to go shopping at big and tall shops and it's really expensive and hard to find clothes that fit, hard to find chairs that you can sit in that, you know, aren't too tight. So just things like that. And it's like really gets to you or hits you up inside. And one day I just uh, decided to, you know, try something that mum had suggested actually to me. Um, well, she was the one that also kicked me into gear a bit. Um, she had to be a bit, bit persistent with me because I, did, I, you know, I didn't want to commit to it the first time. But she'd actually suggested I try the, the Jenny Craig program, and you know, as I said, I was hesitant to start with. But um, after she mentioned it a second time, I sort of thought, well, I'll give it a go because um, I'd, I'd actually been looking into other avenues about how I could lose the weight and. Um, you know, obviously didn't want to go down the path of weight loss surgery. Um, and then there was the, the shakes as well. Um, and I'm glad I didn't do that. Um, but yeah, I just tried the uh, Jenny Craig program. The rest is history, really. I just, um, it, it worked for me. So, and basically I lost that weight. I got down to 110 kilos. Um, oh. I did it. I did it in about 80 weeks. So you basically lost like 49% of the original weight. Yeah. Bloody yeah. hell. In how many weeks? Just under 80 weeks. So it was like only a bit over a year and a half. Like I was just, it was very consistent. Like, so just through, like not through surgery or those fad shakes or anything like that, just, just through um, portion control and um, good, 
good diet, um, consistent exercise, um, the weight just sort of came off steadily. So on that, on that, when you started losing the weight, were you playing tennis already? Is that something you got into from then? Yeah, something I got into from then because I needed to find something that to that I would enjoy doing because when I first started um, with the weight loss, I just started doing like small walks and stuff like that. But then I wanted to get into it a bit more, so I thought I just need to find something that I I would enjoy doing that I can just you know not get sick of basically, and I can just um, enjoy the exercise. So. Tennis, I used to play a bit in high school and after high school with a, with a mate, but that's sort of as far as I've got. But I, I did like the sport, so I thought that would be really good to get into. I, I signed up with a gym slash tennis club, and they the good thing is I was able to turn up there and I didn't need to um, take people with me to play with because I had social tennis classes and cardio tennis classes. Um, it, they were just like group sessions. Yeah. So I was able to meet meet a lot of new people through the through the tennis community as well, but I didn't need to sort of have people that I need to, to find to go play tennis with. They were already there. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, oh, I I got to six or seven days a week playing tennis, and that just really helped the weight fall off too. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, you went to park run on the Saturday and played tennis six days a week. When, yep. And then over time, did that sort of split and become half and half? So you sort of backed off the tennis a little bit and then got into a bit more running somehow? Yeah, tried to cut back on the tennis and and do a bit more running because I was really enjoying the running um, after getting hooked on park run. And I thought, well, I want to do I want to do some other cool, different stuff. So I think I, I kind of just set myself small goals. I, I, I want to be realistic because I'm... I was still a big guy in that, so I didn't want to, and I didn't want to try and overdo it or anything. So I just tried to set set a new goal. Um, I think back in 2020 when I got to that goal weight, I thought, what can I sign up for after doing doing park run? And I think the next thing I did was a jetty to jetty for 10k. Thought if I can do a 10k, I'll be pretty stoked. And um, yeah, I gave that a crack, and that, that was. That was a really good event. Um, and then the next goal I focused on was doing a half marathon. And then I, I signed up for the Jetty to Jetty half the following year. Yep. Um, did that in uh, one hour 59, I think, or one hour 58. That was my first half marathon. Okay. And then uh, the following year, um, I thought, well, I'll do a mar- full marathon next. And you know, you know how that went. Um, I think you guys touched on it on the podcast a, a few months ago as well, but um, I did, didn't know what to expect. I tried to train as best I could for the for the full marathon, but I think the longest run I did was about 30, 31K. Um, I felt felt pretty sore after about 26, 27K. Um, but yeah, come marathon time, when I tried to, tried to give that a go at the GC, I hit a wall at about 31K again, I think. Um, yeah, I had to walk and run most of like the last ten k of that. It sounds to me like you've always sort of hit realistic goals. Like you've um set weight goals, you've set tennis goals to sort of obviously to keep playing tennis, and then you involve running, and you've given yourself realistic times. Basically, obviously, you know yourself better than anyone else. 
Um, I think you and I were talking about your first Jetty to Jetty half marathon. You said two hours would be a good time to break. Yep. You did it by like a minute or something like that. Yeah. So you can't sort of um, replicate anything that you went through training. And on the day to beat it by that, it's pretty awesome. Um, going back to park run, I don't think you've missed any park run since I met you. Uh, yeah. You're there either somewhere at the local events or traveling and you do a lot of park run tourists with your sister. Yeah. yeah and also of- you do a lot of volunteering there. So you do um, on the volley day, the first weekend of every month we do at North Lakes there, we do pace a week and Chris is always pacing. So how's that going for you? Oh, I love it. I look forward to pace a week every, every month. So yeah. really enjoy doing it. And, you know, obviously I want to try and stick to that to that time as much as I can and try and get right on it or, you know, yeah. a, couple, a couple of seconds either side. But, yeah, you're right. Um, I think the only thing that stopped, stopped us was was COVID during, um, you know, 2020 and, and 21. But, um, yeah, I try, and, I try and show up to parkrun every every week. Oh, last, last year I did 52 for the year and the year before I did 52 as well. So, mm. um, as you know, they've got that Christmas and New Year's Day parkrun as well so sometimes you can get 54 so i think i missed a week or two um the last two years and still managed to get get 52 parkruns for the year um oh, yeah. how yeah. many how many parkruns have you done all up 179 now so get, get, getting up there i'll crack the big 200 this year so how many volleys have you done because it's about a one in every four or five that you do a volley yeah i've done done 30 now so yeah um most of those obviously being pacer, but I've yeah. done a couple of other ones. I did um, very re- rewarding volunteering. Um, I like to try and just do it, do it here and there. Um, you know, um, barcode scanning and course check I've done as well. And park walker, which is a new, I think they introduced that one last year, didn't they? The park walker. Yeah. Which is the one where you just, you're not the tail walker at the back, but you just sort of walk, you know, from, you know, towards the middle and your role is just to encourage, encourage, people. encourage yeah. people walking or, or running. Um, I did that one the day before the, the GC Mara actually, just to make sure I showed up and just get the blood circulating a bit. So Yeah. You're no slouch when it comes to the pacing either. Like your PB, I was there the day you PB'd and your PB's, uh, what's what's your PB? 20 minutes, 20, 40? 2046, I ran. 2046. And Chris... Yeah paces anywhere from 21.30 through to 22.30 consistently all the time. So he's not that slow a pacer. You always sort of, you're still giving it your all anyway to, to pace the times that you're pacing. So it's good to see someone like out there and you're still encouraging all those people to chase along with you. So it must be good to see you get people across the line at the end of the day, even if it's just one person to get a PB or time they want on the day. So it's pretty yeah. cool to see. That's the best part of it. If you can, if you yeah. can get a good good pack running with you, it's great. Um, but if you if you just if you just help one person get you know get a PB or um, stay you know stay in front of you or stay with you the whole way, it's it's great. With that with that twenty two thirty one, I do a lot. Usually for the first three or four k, you've got a, you've got a good group with you. But then some of them sort of either they'll either take off in front of you. And push on or they'll some will just drift back but um there have been a couple of times where i've actually just finished and i haven't had any anyone near me like within 100 meters but 
someone someone at the end will come up to you and go, oh, you know, thank, thanks. They'll say thank you or, um, you know, you helped me to a PB. You know, you, you walk away feeling feeling pretty rewarded about that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, going back a few weeks when we run out at Nudgy, you were telling me um, Steve's dad played a pretty big role early on in your park run um, pacing. We used to take off and Chris Curtis, because he's a big unit, you see him out front and he's like running three minutes, 40 a kilometer in front of everyone ahead of the pack. And then um, your dad, Steve, would always pass him at the 3K mark and go, you got to learn to pace yourself. And then (laughs) off he'd go. And then end up getting a chat in one day and he said, you just got to learn to go a bit slower at the start. How how did that work for you? Is is that something you still do now? Yeah, I'm trying trying my best. I I, I generally do that now. I I hold back a bit at at the start and just try and work my way into it. Uh, Yeah, but... I used to go out, through, you know, 340s or 350s the first K, um, K and a half, and then I'd just burn out and you'd, you'd come flying past me and tick had come, tick had come flying past me and it was just debilitating or deflating, I guess the word is, just to have people pass you. So I've learned to sort of hold back a bit, and, um, try and save a bit more gas for the for the end now. But yeah. like you touched on earlier, you ran that, P, you ran that PB with us um, back in... 2021 or no 2020, 2022 it was. Yeah. Um, and it was in winter. I think it was in July. So, um, yeah. I haven't cracked that, that PB again since. So it was on a milestone too. Yeah. It was on the hundredth. So yeah. Good day to do it. We oh, actually had a, that's pretty good. We good had a, 100. we had a crack at it two weeks earlier. Yeah. Um, and he missed it. And then the following week, Oh, I don't know whether it was the following week or whatever, but the next day we go, we'll have, we'll have a go this week. And a few of us got on board, Steve. And um, Chris started the first K, got to 1K and went, it's not happening today. And I went, oh, shit. All right, no worries. And we'll try again next time. And as it turned out, the very next go, he was he was fired up and you could see that he just wanted to do it. And it happened to be on his 100th park run. So he got, he got a PB. And all he wanted to do was break 21 minutes and he got... 2046 or something like that it's like he smashed it he's like going he's like a steamroller just cruising along at the end he just pushed past me and he like beat me to the line um to get across the line i'm like holy shit he's gonna smash it you know it's pretty cool feeling when you pace someone and they they go beyond that time you know what i mean like it's something someone's trying to break 21 minutes and end up getting it real easy at the end and go faster that last k just pushing really hard it's pretty cool but, um, yeah, because yeah, because what had actually happened, I think I, I couldn't crack twenty one, and I'd I'd done like twenty one oh three, twenty one oh two, twenty one oh one, and yeah. yeah, and then that day we ended up um, knocking um, fifteen seconds off it. So, yeah, that's cool. That was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Yeah, Isn't that always what happens? Eh, like you just you tr- it's like just try and try and try, and you just always a bit over, always a bit over, all of it, always a bit over, and then all of a sudden you just have this like unpredictable breakthrough yeah. and you're like, where did that come from? But you just yeah. feel good. Everything feels right on the day and it just goes well. Yeah. yeah. I got a bit of a funny story about that. Cause um, I don't know, Chris, I don't think Chris knows his own strength. He's like, and you go up to Chris and say, Hey, you going mate. And you give him the knuckles and he's like, bang. And I remember after he's like, Oh, I said, Oh, awesome, mate. And I held my hand and he's just going crack. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Good run. I'm like, I'm going, Oh, Fuck that hurt. Ruptured a disc in your spine. No, yeah. <laughs> Through your knuckle. I think we just connected and Chris was a little bit 
bit happy uh, for his PB. And, and I think I remember at work the next few days going, bloody hell, what's I've done to my hand? And I, and I traced it back to that Saturday park run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I didn't, um, realize, didn't realize I'd smash your knuckles that hard. But, uh, yeah. He's pumped. He was pumped. Yeah. What's your, um, what have you got? Goals? Got any goals coming up? Yeah, I've, uh, yeah, so just the, the Noosa half I, I signed up for. So I want to give that one hour 45 a crack. Um, so that's in May. And I've, Signed up for pretty much the same events as last year. I don't have anything new on the cards this year um, yeah. compared to what I did last year, but I'm going to give um, the good news. I'm going to give the GC Mara another, another go, um, despite what happened in the, the last 10K last year. Um, so I've already registered for that one. Um, jetty to Jetty half, I'm going to do that one again. Mm. Uh, spoken to a um, couple of people about maybe doing an ultra, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to fit it in the schedule this year. Just I'll, cause I'll play out this, this season of fixtures and then I'll give the mid season a miss just to focus on the, the long running and yeah, we'll see what happens. But at this stage, just, just the usual events that I've done. Hey, Steve Woolley, I finally found someone that can rival you for trophy size. Chris Curtis has won some of the biggest tennis trophies I've ever seen. Um, And I was telling him that, yeah, finally got someone that can compete with your stash behind you there in the picture. (laughs) (laughs) What, what, what sort what sort of trophies have you got there in the background? Um, It's just like the tie boxing trophies I'd won over the years and they've been in like a cardboard box. Just swell titles and things like that, Chris, you know, not your regular (laughs) fixture trophies, but. I've yep. got to put them up somewhere, otherwise I'm going to end up chucking them out. Chris wins yeah, some right. bloody big trophies, eh? They don't hold back when they um they give you out some trophies. Yeah, at least at least you got yours on display. A lot of the time, I I, I win mine and bring it home and stick it in the box, and it stays there for for, for months on end. And then I'll usually pull them out, pull them all out once once I win another one, just to get a photo of them all together, and then put them away again. But um, I'm looking at try and put like a floating shelf or a metal hanger for, to, to have like the tennis trophies sitting, sitting up the top and then have all my running medals yeah, yeah. hanging below that. So that'd, that'd be pretty cool. Just put them on display. Why not? Hey, you started out social, playing social tennis. Are you in a grade now? Well, you get some decent buddy tennis tournaments going. You've had some really good wins. Are you in like a um, tennis grade or are you still playing social? Yeah. Um, this in-house fixtures competition at, at Club Coops is—I I just play that every season. So I don't really play any other tournaments uh, at any other tennis clubs or anything. I just yeah. pure, purely play the in-house um, fixtures comp. Yeah. There, so I used to play doubles and singles, but I've now just sort of cut back to the doubles um, mm. and focus on that. But me and my partner Matt, we've um, won a few, a few together as well. Um, and it's basically Monday night. So the, it's broken down into three different nights. So Monday night is top grade and then Tuesday night's like beginner, intermediate, and Thursday's advanced. So we play Monday night top grade doubles. Um, so I've got a what's called a UTR rating, which is basically your, your rating as a player. So um, I think mine sits about six. But, I mean, they go up as high as um, 14 or 15, I think, like, those top players like Novak Djokovic and all that, that'd be 
you know, have a UTR rating of like 14 or 15, I'm assuming, but wow. mine, mine's about six. So that's enough to play in the, um, the Monday night um, top grade yeah. doubles competition. So. so you come a long way in that sport as well as running. You've blitzing it, mate. Yeah, yeah. And just trying to find a balance between both is, is, is the hardest part because, um, you know, tennis takes a bit of a toll on your, on your knees and um, stuff, just all that side-to-side movement. I tend to find that after I do a long run or, or a short run, I, I don't feel as sore as, you know, playing a couple of hours of tennis because you've just got, got all that stop-start and side-to-side movement as well on, on the court. But yeah, trying to find that balance because I really enjoy both now. As I said earlier, it started it started off with just tennis, but um, I found that love for running too, and I just want to keep keep pursuing it. And it just helps, um, you know, maintain that weight as well. That obviously I've learned learned a lot with the with the weight loss journey about about diet and breaking breaking bad habits. So I'm over, I think I, I said that. I stopped dieting in 2020 around February, March, and I've been able to keep that weight off. I'm sort of hovering around 116 kilos now, and I've been at that weight for um, you know a couple of years now. I'm just trying to keep it consistent. Chris, sorry, when you say about your weight, was it 219 kilos you were? 214.8 it was. 214.8, and what was your, your lightest ever? Like the, during the weight loss journey, the lightest I got down to was um, 106 kilos because I'd set myself a goal of 110. Well, actually, I changed, I had about three goals along the way because when I walked into to Jenny Craig, um, my my consultant asked me like, you know what, you know she put me on the scales and you know I saw the number 214.8 and I'm like oh god. This is going to take this is going to take me forever to lose this weight, and she goes, "What, what, what's your goal weight? What do you want to get down to?" And I, it took me like two minutes to set a number and think about it, and I said, "Well, let's set a goal of 150, like get down to 150 kilos. So I'd have to lose 64.8 kilos." And then I thought, "This is going to take forever," but then the first four weeks of doing the program, I think my first four weeks were. 4.1 kilos in the first week, three in the second, one and a half in the third week, and then like 2.3 in the fourth. And I'm like, well, this is going great so far. Like, and it just made it easier to, to come in every week and just stick with it because I knew it was working. And then before I knew it, I was down, like, it felt like before I knew it, I was down to 150. And I'm like, well, she's like, do you want to keep going? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, let's go down to, to 130. And then, even though the weight loss did start to slow up a bit, I was still losing weight pretty much most weeks um, and decent, like consistent numbers as well. Um, and then, yeah, we got to the, the next goal of 130 and then set another goal to get to 110. And then I came in under that. And then basically I got off the, the Jenny Craig food and I learned to sort of prepare my own meals and things like that and try to work out calorie control. Um, but I was still losing weight because I was just doing too much exercise um, and I wasn't, I wasn't eating enough for the amount of calories I was burning. So I got down to, to about 106 kilos and I started to look a bit 
sort of droopy in the face because I lost the lost the weight so quickly, and um, I ended up just trying to eat a bit more, and then I put put on a bit more weight and got got to about 110 kilos, and then I just hovered around that mark. I d- I did the maths on that man. So at your most, you lost 108 kgs. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So with the, the with the Jenny Craig stuff, are they actually giving you your meals, or are, do they just show you what calories to consume and how much protein and all the rest of it? Yeah, pretty pretty much both, Steve. So um, they just teach you about um, yeah calorie control, and also they give you the meals, or they gave me the meals: breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks for the week for like four seven days, and then. You'd have to buy your staple food like um, your bread and your, your ham and your milk and all that other stuff that you sort of had to have extra. But you know they try to be realistic along the way based on your your weight and your measurements. Like when I first started the program, I think I was actually still told to consume. I think it was like nine thousand kilojoules a day, which is still it's like twenty six. It's basically like twenty six hundred calories a day, which is quite a lot because I think the recommended daily intake is, is about 1,800 calories. So I was still consuming 2,600 calories a day and losing weight based on the amount of um, exercise I was doing. And then as I lost weight and got lighter, the calorie um, intake would go down just to make sure I was still getting consistent weight loss. But I think the, the thing that it taught me the most was just about breaking bad habits and um, portion control, you know, not not overeating, and then just having the motivation of going into the the center every week and um, jumping on the scales and seeing that I was losing weight consistently. It just it just kept pushing me pushing me along, and um, I knew I th- I just could I think just because I got so heavy, I thought it was going to take a long time to lose the weight, but I kind of knew I had. I, had the willpower because I'd already actually given up smoking. That's one of the reasons why I put on the weight because I used yeah. to smoke. I used to smoke years ago, and I I quit that cold turkey without even trying patches or anything like that. And I smoked for like ten to fifteen years, um, and then just stopped. But yeah, as you know, that that suppresses your appetite as well. So I started when um, when I quit smoking. Mate, what advice would you have for anyone else who's like, you know, overweight, can't seem to control their hunger? Like, what do you think is the best thing for them to do? Um, I think seeking, like trying to seek motivation is important because it's really hard to do it, on, do it on your own. So if you can find, if you can find someone to help motivate you, whether you feel like if, if it's not with the weight, weight loss to begin with, just the exercise, like, even if it's like a running group or community run group um, that you can meet new people and socialize um, and just get, get fit and active diet diets, obviously very important, but exercise is, is um, really important as well. But yeah, just try and, you know, if you can find something that works for you, it's, it's, it's great. But um, I think just seeing the results every week. Um, and if you can stick, if you can stick with it for the first three or four weeks, and see the results, you'll start to feel better and those you'll just be able to break the bad habits. For me, it was like 
just the bad, like eating bad junk food, lots of carbs, um, fizzy drinks, alcohol, and yeah, use use the people around you that care about you to to sort of get on board and stick with it. We're predominantly a running podcast, so I've just got a shoe question for you. Um, over over time, you would have tried a lot of shoes. Um, is there anything in particular that you find for your body size and weight and foot size? You're a bloody size 14 or 15, aren't you? Yeah, size 15, yeah. Is there something that you find more supportive than others or a brand that's better than others? Is there something that you stick to just for your regular runs because they're more supportive and something that you use particularly for a race in general? Yeah, uh, I, I've, I've, I've tried a lot of different shoes. I've got quite a bit of a collection happening now. Um, trying we to know, find, Chris, we know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty common thing in the, in the running, running community. I have lots of running shoes, but um, I've tried a few different ones and I really like those um, Brooks Adrenalines for the, um, for the slow training runs because they offer me a lot of support because I tend to like overpronate as well. So I found those, I ran the Gold, Gold Coast Marathon in those and they were a really, really good shoe. Um, unfortunately, I just tightened up. But with the with the race day shoes, I just bought, bought a pair of those night, night Vaporflies um, and I love the Vaporfly twos. They're a great shoe, um, super light. And yeah, you just feel like you, you can go way faster in them. But I've never really tried like a really, uh, like a really really long run in them. I've mm. done a, I've done a half marathon in, in the Vaporfly twos. Um, That's still a long run, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We Bloody we yeah. have this analogy as runners that I'm just going to go. Oh, man, the coach won't let me run for any any longer than an hour. An hour is a long run, you know. Like if you're disappointed with an hour run, it's not your long run. Um, you know, five k is a long run. People show up to park run, and that could be their long run of the week. So yeah, a long run is 21 k's. Just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after after doing a full marathon, though, it doesn't feel like it. But yeah, it's you're right. It's a half marathon is, is considered a long run. But yeah, um, yeah, anything with a lot of support um, and lots of cushioning for me, because yeah. being a big guy and I've got feel like my knees are always aching. Or anything like a Brooks Adrenaline or the Nike Nike Invincibles are really cushiony as well, and um, the Kayanos as well. They're probably yeah. those three. I'd say yeah. would be the best. Because um, there'd be a lot of people out there that are touching 100 kilos plus that want to run and they're probably being given the wrong shoes, you know, because they're probably being told by a 70 kilo young fella at, you know, the athlete's foot that this is the cushion shoe for you, but they're 70 kilos. So they don't touch on the bigger size people and it'd be good. That's what I was just like asking you. Know, it's good to get a bit of feedback because um, you are a big bloke. Like regardless of your weight, you're still a size 15 shoe. As yeah. such, and and you're 110 kilos plus, so it's sort of um, it's up there above everyone else that gets fitted. You know what I mean? So it's good to to sort of hear what you use and what you enjoy using for that sort of that size. Yeah, I think we we spoke about the difference in weight between like a, a US nine and a like a 15. Just when we That's went right. to when we did the Boone Wetlands um, track the other week, and um, yeah, you know, like a a US nine it might be like. I don't know. Yeah, 210. 200 yeah, grams. Yeah. 200 grams and then a 15 is like 300, 300 or something yeah. like that. It just makes yeah. a, huge, a huge difference with the size. But. It's weird because uh, I think the, each of the companies are now starting to print their standard, I think, which is a nine and a half men's. 
I think that's the standard size and they have it printed for that size on the, on the side of the shoe. I know Nike does. And I think, um, yeah. So hawkers, I think have it. hawkers, what else? Yeah. The ones you had on the hokers, eh? Yeah, that's right. Um, they have it written on the side. So they have the weight for the standard average size, which is nine and a half. So I don't know why they do that, but it means nothing to me because I'm a 13. It means absolutely nothing to Chris because he's a 15. So um, probably more, what are you, Steve, a 10? So it'd be something yeah. close that you yeah. could compare anyway. But yeah, as the shoes get bigger and bigger, everything gets bigger. The weight, you know, triples or whatever in size every time it goes up. Yep. But um, yeah, so they're fair out there. So you reckon the Brooks Adrenaline or the um, Keanos? Yeah. Keanos yeah, and those Nike Invincibles too. They're just really soft. Um, yeah. They're not really classes of support shoe, I don't think. It's just, yeah. Um, but yeah, they've just got a lot of that. Oh, I find those Nike, that Zoomax foam is the softest foam out there. Right? Yeah. But, like by far. I feel like you're running on clouds in those things. Since you've lost all that weight, have you had any sort of injuries or do you find that having that weight off, you've sort of benefited immensely from it? I know you've taken up a lot more sort of um, activities, like doing a bit more tennis and running combined. Do you haven't had any injuries or...? No, I've only had I've only had sprains really from tennis, like um, not not recently, no, not in the last couple of years. Um, I just had a bit of a knee sprain when I was playing um, fixtures a couple of years ago, and it swelled up quite a bit. Um, but I just stayed off it for a couple of weeks, and it went away. But touch wood, I've been been able to stay pretty injury free along the way. But I think that just comes back to you know trying to um, find the balance about what I can what I can do for the week and try not to overdo it. That's really important because I'd rather not, you know, be out for six weeks not doing anything because I'd probably go a bit stir crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mate, you ever tried a pair of like Alpha Flies or any of the, you know, the big stack sh- super shoes? Yeah, I did try those. I did have a pair of those Alpha Fly 2s. Um, I found my foot, feet got really sore wearing them. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I just, I just got really sore feet after wearing them. I, I find the vapor flies better. I don't know if that's because they're they're lower to lower to the ground or the, or not. But um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, they just seem to feel better for me um, with those quicker runs than the alpha flies. Um, but they're releasing those alpha flies. Outfly three soon, aren't they? They look like they're, they're getting a lot of big wraps with those. They're coming out this month, I think. Uh, you know, um, Dave, who we had on last week, he sent me a Instagram photo and said, "Look what just arrived in the mail," and he had a pair. Oh, those said, what? What? Ones? He, yeah, he said, yeah. "I haven't run in them yet, but I've run up and down the hallway." And he said, oh, "Look out!" Yeah, I've been watching the reviews on uh, online about them, and yeah, geez, they're getting some pretty big wraps. Yeah, I think um, I saw a, a nice colorway, like a green and an orange one that might be coming out. That looks, they look pretty cool. Um, yeah, that that drops in March apparently. Right. Yeah. Apparently, the most durable shoe, the, this new Alpha Fire Three. Ben Johnson, he's posted like a photo of a brand new pair and one that's done five hundred miles. What's that? Roughly eight hundred k's, is it? Heaps. Yeah. Yeah. Eight hundred k's, and it's only just worn down the two pads underneath, really. And a, and a little bit of the heel, but um, just the longevity. You'd have to think they'd go for over a thousand k's if that's the case. And they're super light too. 
Mm. Like I thought, yeah. when I watched the Ben Parks review, he's a size 13 and they were like a hundred grams lighter than the equivalent, um, like version two that he's got. Yeah. It's pretty wicked, eh? Because like they've gone, Nike's gone the other way and they've, and they're using all recycled components now to make these shoes and they, and they've obviously they've been tested to 500 miles and it made say 800 Ks. And then you got those other shoes that are a few hundred dollars dearer that last one race and they're just a throwaway. Yeah. They're looking at like 40 or 50 Ks and they're done as opposed to something that costs probably less and and you're going to get same sort of benefit really. And then 800 plus Ks out of them. You'd have to think Nike's gone the right way with that over, over Adidas. Yeah. Especially for the environment. Like when you listen to, um, the Tarkine guys, they were like saying these shoes end up just in the ground shredded, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and they're there for hundreds and hundreds of years. And you got Adidas making them ones that you just chuck away. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. Eh? yeah. They last about a marathon, don't they? And then they're, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. Or for what, $500 or something. So yeah. I think it's 700 bucks. 700 bucks. Your local athletic um athlete's foot, they still got their boxes out the front and as you go past, you can just drop your old um shoes off for recycling. They send them off to manufacturers just take apart the different components of it. So it's always a good thing. I don't just throw mine out. I always wait until I go to North Lakes and dump them in their bins and let so obviously it's not just going into the landfill, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's gotta yeah. go somewhere. I know it's probably some sort of process and it probably costs someone or us as taxpayers money, maybe. Who knows? But at least they're not going straight into to landfill out of your bin. Um, either, they're either donating if they've got any life left in them or they're recycling them somehow. So, yeah, Tarkin, when he said everything just ends up in landfill, you got to, um, everyone's accountable now, really, for what we're producing. So, if we don't do the right thing as runners, it's just going to end up costing us more and more money to produce these shoes. So, yeah, exactly. Mm. And uh, like the Tarkin guys are, I think, 90 to 95% recyclable, but even he said, even then it's still creating stuff that's going to go in the ground. That's just going to like, it just doesn't break down. Yeah. So he said, yeah. we're trying our best, but like the other company, a lot of the other companies not even trying at all. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Have you heard any um, feedback from him about the performance shoe yet? Any? No, I should message him. Hey, eh? cause their yeah. marathon shoe must be just about ready that's to come what I was out. Thinking. Cause I know Daniel O'Hara, um, he had the best idea months ago. He said, you know, just get a whole people a list of who wants a new shoe. And they'll put a, instead of buying it at one price, we might be able to get a 10 price discount cost. You know what I mean? If 10 yeah. people want shoes, and I thought that was a pretty cool idea. Like, cause um, I'd be keen if I ever need another set of trail shoes, I'm, I think I'll be going the talking those trail devils that you got. Um, just the reviews I've seen on them um, and, and the grip. They just seem to have a lot of grip. Mate, I swear. Uh, the, like uh, they're that good that I'd wear them on the road, you but I don't. Want, I, I don't want to wreck them. Like, yeah, because you know you're gonna destroy the but, all the knobs and the grip and that. Yeah, because the whole like, point of a trail shoe is the edge of the lugs. So as long as you keep that square, as soon as they round off, you got no. They you don't have the same amount of grip as you normally would. So if you run on the bitumen yeah. or the or the tarmac or the or the concrete, you're just gonna wear that away. I did a uh, I did a session with um Paul Gourlay at uh around the dam there the other week and i said to him oh mate for the i was just saying like how good they are i said for the last rep put them on he goes yeah yeah righto we were doing four by ten minutes and uh, after the second rep he just dropped me by i couldn't even see him so he didn't i 
didn't even get a chance to swap shoes with him so he could try him out because we're the same size foot. But yeah, he was going to try him on, but he just left me for dead. Four, four by 10 minutes. So I did two by 10 and then two by five. I just yeah. couldn't keep up with him. It was so hot. And he was like, oh, yeah, we'll average around 340 pace. And I was like, I think he said 340, 345 pace for the ons. And over 10 minutes, I was like, well, yeah, that'd be all right. But shit, man, trying to do that over trails. Holy shit. That was so quick. Yeah. I could, I just couldn't hang on to him. I, I was hanging on to him, but just by the skin of my teeth. And then on the recovery, I needed recovery. And he, he was just like, he's just running off. And I'm like, oh shit, man, I got to slow it down a bit. Yeah. Yeah, so he never got to try them out, but man, they are really like really good shoes. So comfy, so light, and so bouncy. Mm. Can't wait! Oh, I, I'm looking forward to if they release something and it is competitive. It'd be so good for an Australian company to have a shoe that you know more Australians are going to try because um, yeah. their their price is competitive. For that trail shoe mm. that's pretty yeah. competitive. And they, I think at Christmas time they had like um 20 off, which took it down to. I think it was a, I saw it for one hundred and sixty-five dollars. That's a bargain. Yeah, love to love to try it there. Um, I think they I think they go up to a thirteen. Um, mm. If they bring out some bigger sizes um, down the track, it'll be good to be good to try them out. Mm. Your size fifteen, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Mate, I'll send him a message. You know, you might you never know. They might have a pair laying around. Are you in between? Are you fourteen in some and fifteen in others, or what? Well, I was when I got fitted. I was told I should um, I should wear a fifteen, um, yeah, just to allow a little bit bit more sort of toe, toe room. Um, yeah. But yeah, those those vapor flies, you can't. Um, I've been able to get a pair in a fifteen in Australia. I think in the US you can get them in fifteen, but the biggest they seem to go is fourteen. I think so. Yeah. With but. I don't seem to have any problems with those. I think it's I think just because they got more room in them than the Vapor 2s, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's just because of that web, that that mm. flying in. It sort of stretches a bit. Yeah. You feel, you feel like you've got a bit more room. It's um, weird because, like, they do all the shoe sizes up to 12 and a half. And then once they hit 13, they go up in one. So it goes 14, 15, 16, like that. So there's no halves if you're a half size here or there. So yeah. you're either going to go the next size up or put up with it being too small. That's right. And it's even more awkward if you've got your one foot bigger than the other two. Because <laughs> I think I'm, um, yeah. my, right, my right foot's a bit, little bit bigger than my left. So yeah. it makes yeah. things a bit, little bit more awkward. But yeah. All right. Awesome. Hey, um, did you um, see the, get the results for that um, Deegan, um, Deegan Speedway for the Bush Turkeys? Oh, yeah, I did. I'll put the link to this in the description. So I'll actually put the link down. So if you click it, you can get on there. But I will, uh, I'm just trying to find the link now. Some good footage of that. Clive Gross, he um, rode along on his bike and videoed him from the tail end all the way through to the leaders and past them. So you got to see the change of um, positions. I think um, Liam McCarthy was coming second right up to the last three meters maybe and then Stephen butcher pipped him on the line yep okay yep. so the so sorry so the men's was won by john hansen second place was Stephen butcher and third place was leah mccarthy um and the women's was won by jess uh second place was cecilia 
and third place was Claire O'Brien. Um, it doesn't have their second names there, but yeah, I think John Hanson was about three forty-seven, and Stephen Butcher was like three fifty. Two forty-seven. Sorry, yeah, two forty-seven. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, so they they were all barely close from there. I think uh, fourth place might have been Ben Merlin. So he what they weren't all very very far apart, but you know, it's the one k all out, pretty yeah. hardcore, eh? Just yeah, yeah, full they whack. Were, yeah, they were going hell for leather on that video. Oh. It's funny though, because it even though it's only a k, it still favors the people that start conservative. You know, yeah. like, I don't know if you noticed, but on the video, Stephen Butcher was way back and then he just worked his way through the pack. Yeah, he put in the last sort of like 10-meter sprint, I reckon, to get Liam. He sort of only yeah. just got him on that last couple of meters just before the line. Yeah, yeah it's funny That's... how many people just go all out for the first like 500 and then just fade. <laughs> yeah. There's a few, quick, a few quick girls in there too. Yeah, they got some bloody good girls, eh? Good runners. Yeah, I know you and McFadden. He's uh, I think you just just about trying to get him last time, and um, I think I seen him with about at the seven hundred and fifty meter mark, and there was a there's a girl in front of him that was hooking along. So I don't know where she come in in that sort of race and head to head with the blokes, but yeah, they're moving along. Yeah, yeah Ben Mer- Ben Merlin was fifth, I think. Um, his name Harvey might have got fourth or fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben was fifth. I definitely said fifth on his um Strava. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, they come through sort of like, you know, one after boom, the other. Boom, boom, yeah. Like boom, boom, boom. But yeah, like finishes sort of in like a tunnel, I think. Yeah. But yeah. That's, I think that's the whole series done now. But um, yeah, I only, only got to do that one because I obviously had COVID. But that was, um, yeah, another great event. Looked great. Yeah, definitely. Sure, they'll do it again next, uh, probably. Well, that, was that the final? That was the final one, wasn't it? The final yeah, week, I so think so. Yeah. Last race of the series. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Unreal. Oh, thanks right. heaps for coming on, Chris. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks for having us, having us on. Um, probably should also say um, congrats on um, reaching 100 episodes last week. Um, it's a pretty pretty huge milestone as well. And I think it's safe to say that I've, I've listened there every single episode along the way, whether that's been, whether that's been out the run or driving to and from work in the mornings, um, you know, come Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I've heard some great, great stories and interviews and got, got to know like a lot about, about you guys, like on a personal level as well. So, um, always look forward to it every week. Um, but yeah, congrats on the hundred, hundred episodes as well. All right. Thanks mate. And, um, yeah, I thought I'd just also mention if anyone's got any any questions about my weight loss and um, you know wants any any tips, like feel free to to reach out to us. Um, you know, if I can help help one person, um, as far as I'm concerned, I've you know I've done done my job as well. Um, so if you've got any questions, just message me. I learned a lot along the way about you know finding you know the best foods with the sort of the lowest calories as well. And so any, anything I can do to help, to help you, um, let us know. Yeah, for sure. I'll put your, uh, in, is it Instagram? You yeah. more, I'll put your Instagram in the, um, description. Yep. Sounds good. So Chris Curtis, if you want to ask him anything, shoot him a message. I want to visit him, come to North Lakes Park Run. He's there nearly every week. 
come on pace a week the first Saturday of the month and have a run with Chris. He, he paces at usually 22.30. He's a good chatter. Yeah, I'll just uh, um, put my name down for the 3rd of Feb for 22.30 pace. So that's not not this weekend, next weekend. So yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Mate, we'll have to get you under 20 minutes this year for sure. When it cools we'll do, down. Yeah, we'll do our do our best to try and to try and crack that one for sure. Yeah. Good chance. You and Nathan have a race. Yeah. Well, what's his twenty? Is it not not like nineteen fifty or something? Nineteen forty? Yep. Yeah. Nineteen fifty. I tell you what, this heat, this heat lately is just made, making a. That's huge, shocking. Huge Today is the first cool day, eh? Today. Yep. Everyone's listening. We're recording on Tuesday. It's the first cool day, probably like about six or seven in a row, and they've all been over 30 degrees and 90% humidity. It was just oh. horrid. And yesterday was, gosh, that was just like 40 degrees or something, just so hot. Yeah. Just so humid. And then sort of in the afternoon, I don't know if you guys could see it, but there was like a huge storm rolling in, but it just never seemed to hit. No. It's like a haze, it's real, isn't it? It's a real orangey sort of haze. Yeah, like real dark clouds and that. And you're like, oh, yes, here we go. We're going to get some relief. And then it just never come. No, nah, but it pushed the, it probably pushed the air away a bit. A bit of a breeze come along. So it was kind of all right. Paul Gourlay, he's training for the, I'm pretty sure he's doing the 80K at the Noosa Ultra again this year. Um, yeah. He was out yesterday at 1.30 out of that Dogs and Spiders up, um, what's, it, what's that, Wind Road? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Running that 10K dogs and spiders, it's like about 660. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a devil's number. I don't know, 666 rings a bell. Yeah. Of elevation over 10 and a bit K. And it's an out and back from the road down into the down into Clear Mountain. And then you come back out and it's up and down. And um, he, he said um, the last few Ks was just all walking and goes, I couldn't even breathe. It was that hot. Wow. So for him to, yeah. And, and he had high heart rate too. So the heat, and everything just got to him all at once. But, um, wow, yeah, man, because he's, he's like notorious. He got the, like one of the lowest heart rates in Brisbane. Yeah. But, um, he said struggle street the last, he said out was okay, but coming back was a real struggle. The heat got him today. That's what he wrote. So, but, um, it's good to see him putting everything in as a coach, um, doing his own training, getting ready for that because he's put in some big efforts over the last few weeks. He's got in early, I reckon. His heat training could help him get across the line a lot quicker this year, I reckon. Hey, there's a, there's a famous ultra runner, um, called Tom Evans from England. Uh, he just comes second at like a massive cross country in England. I watched it on YouTube. Uh, it was a British athletics, uh, race at parliament Hill and, uh, he comes second, which was like, you know, it was a bit of a, everyone was kind of blown away that an ultra runner comes second in a 10 K cross country. And they asked him afterwards, like, oh, what are you, what are you planning on doing? He said, We've got another race in like two weeks and then we go to Australia for heat training. So I wonder if he's coming to Queensland. Like imagine if he's on the Gold Coast or something, might better get an interview with him. I think he's won the, the Tarawera um, long course. Oh yeah. And he's won a heap of other major um, ultra trails. He's like just, man, phenomenal runner. Like and I think he's run close to the Olympic qualifier for the marathon. You know, he's more of a, a long yeah. ultra runner. Crazy, eh? Yeah. Crazy how they can convert from that shorter to longer. Just goes to show to be like an elite level ultra guy, you you've got to be an elite level 
marathon guy. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Wonder where he's going to be based. If he's based in Brisbane or somewhere, that would be cool. It's weird because like Melbourne at the moment is still thirty degrees. It's just they don't have the humidity that we've got. So it's the difference, eh? Yeah, on those days, like any other thirty degree day, probably would have been right here too if it was only like more like today's humidity. Yeah. Um. But yeah, when it's up above 90 percent all night, and then it sort of doesn't dip away till eight or so in the morning. But then by then, it's so hot anyway. You'd want to think that it'd have to come to Queensland if it's, if it's heat training because you sort of experience a bit of both. Yeah. Heat and humidity. I um I messaged my old man and said, "Where do you reckon he'll go?" And he said, oh, "Probably Gold Coast or Cairns." Cairns. I thought, oh man, Cairns would be killer, but it would be so hot. You can't get much hotter than that. <laughs> Bloody hell. No, I feel like we're, we're we're up in tropical North Queensland some days in, in Brisbane. Well, used mm. to live used to live in Townsville, so I kind of know what it's like. But it feels like that the last week or two, like crazy. Mm. Yeah, especially that last week. It was, it was hard. Bring on the cooler months, though. Definitely. All, all right. right, boys. All right. Yep. Leave it with you. We'll see you all next week. Thanks yep. again. Yep. Yeah, right, thanks, man. Chris. Legend, mate. I'll see Talk you. Talk We'll do. See you guys. See you, mate. Extension on top of
stop rewind Now what the fuck did you find? Ain't nothing in here but why Supplemental I can't breathe I can't breathe Close your eyes Leave all your troubles behind Yes, it's fine Mine, 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 mine. 